Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hey, Matthew. This is Luis Zapata, Executive Chairman at SilverX Mining Corp. Uh, good to be with you. As you know, we're a silver developer from Peru, currently developing the Nueva Recuperada Mining District. We are already in pre-production operations at the Tangana Mine. And we're also currently drilling 25,000 meters of exploration drilling, along with 4,000 meters of recently completed infill drilling, which we announced on Monday. Very excited to be with you today. How are you? Very well, very well. Uh, when did we see you? Back in February, wasn't it? Long time ago. Long time ago. Okay, well, it sounds like you've been uh, quite, quite busy, but um, I think it's uh, the first question I've got to uh, ask is, so what happened to the share price in February? It went from 69 down to about 40 overnight. Yeah, I mean, we were obviously halted from February when we announced the transaction until the end of June. Uh, the TSX deemed the transaction of uh, basically a fundamental acquisition, so there was quite a bit of review involved. While we were halted, we had 4.3 million warrants exercised at 35 cents. Uh, so those people basically, you know, were trying to get their warrants exercised and shorting the stock. The first day we got hit with 3 million indiscriminate shares sold. Uh, ever since then, we've been trading flat in a bad market, and I think the market's starting to recognize that, you know, we're one of the few silver producer developers out there. Okay. Um, in the junior space. Almost doesn't seem fair that people can uh, trade, their, trade their warrants while you're in a, in a halt. Um, let's, let's talk about the market and we'll come, we'll come, come back to how, how you manage share price. So it, the market obviously is taking a bit of a hit. Precious metals generally, gold, silver, taking take a bit of a hit. Most people have, are down with trend. So you're looking at this as the market is recognizing what you're doing because you're just moving sideways as opposed to taking a discount. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's we're in the middle of the Canadian and American summer. Uh, it's typically the quietest time of the year. Precious metals are not in a good space right now. Uh, typically, 80% of the gains on the TSX are between October and February, as you may know. So in a bad market, again, we're trading sideways since we opened. And I think that's good. We're trading huge volume, 600,000 shares a day on average, you know, which is pretty good for a company of our size. So I think you have good volume. You have people who are looking at the stock, people who are buying the stock. You know, we managed to cross out a couple of big blocks and we saw buyers. So we think as soon as people start recognizing and seeing more of our news flow, which is starting now, uh, they'll be like, wow, these guys are in production. And how many producing junior silvers do you know? Not a lot. I mean, you're a relatively new company. And obviously, the, the, you know, you made this meaningful acquisition here. I mean, should you have waited? Did you know this was coming down the line? Or was this after you went public, you decided to do this, this coming together? No, no. I mean, look, the, the company that is today, Silver X, my partners and I took over in February of 2020. 2020 right? During basically right before COVID hit. So, you know, in about a year and four months, we did three transformative transactions. You know, we, first we had a, a small deal in Ecuador, then a bigger deal in Peru, and now producing acid in, in Peru again, right? So the transformation for Silver X to a producer was always sort of something we had in mind. And you can't predict where markets are going. So, you know, you, you got to just execute a business plan. Right. But wh why did it take so long? Well, we announced a deal to form Silver X via the acquisition of Latitude Silver in February of this year, right? So, I mean, again, when the TSX team did a fundamental acquisition, there's a lot of review involved. We had to audit the financial statements of the company we acquired. We did that successfully, and we came back to trade late June, which is probably not the best thing to come back to trade. But here we are today, middle of July, uh, trading. Okay. Okay. So, it was, it was a difficult period. Any uh, any learnings from this in terms of if you do make a other acquisition? Because you know, part of your, part of your uh, reason for being, your MOU, is to make acquisitions. So... Any learnings? Look, right now we're really focused. We raised $14 million to do three things, to put the Tangana and, and recuper, the Nueva Recuperator in production. 
We're doing that. We also raise money to drill out the project. We're doing that. So we're fully funded for the next 12 months. We don't need to raise money unless we had an accretive acquisition come uh, available. So right now we're just focused on executing our business plan, which is to grow production and grow resources via the drill bit. So, but I'm, I'm intrigued here because if, if the exchange puts you on a difficult position, like it just did, you know, you two and a half, what, two, three months where there's a trading halt, people get nervous because they don't know what's going on. There's a blackout, right? So yeah. w- will they do this again for you? Under what circumstances could they do this to you again? Well, they would only do that if we had if we announced another major acquisition, right? Um, but again, right now we're very focused on executing the business plan, which is drilling, going resources, and production, right? So uh, I wouldn't say there's any M and A in the very, very near future. If something creative and interesting came along, we always have our eyes open. Um, but yeah, right now again, just focus on growing production and growing resources. No, I, I, I get I get that, but I'm I'm sorry, sorry to take this because I think it's really important because they you know, potentially their demands of you was slightly damaging, right? They, potentially they were slightly damaging. So was there anything that you could have done or could have foreseen which would have st- stopped that? Is there anything that you can do going forward to ensure that the trading halt doesn't go on for so long? Because that, that you know, it, it, wasn't, it was less than ideal, let's put it like that. Again, the, the trading halt in this regard was a very specific halt centered around a major acquisition. As long as we don't announce another major acquisition, we won't be halted again. And uh, we're just a regular course issuer, right? Sure, sure. But you may want to, is, is my point. And if you do want to do this, yeah. it, you don't want it to go on for like another two, three months, right, in the next time around. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, but hey, you know, uh, I can't really speculate on things that may happen. I can only tell you that right now, again, we're just focused on, on executing the business plan. And obviously, SilverX is SilverX because we have a, a team which is always looking to grow, right? Are we looking at other things? Of course. Is there something that could happen overnight? I don't think so. But, you know. Hey, if we can make our investors money, we'll probably go for it. Okay, fine. Well, like, like I guess, I guess uh, if you put yourself, find yourself in that position, you have to think long and hard about how you handle it. Um, okay, you yeah. have announced um, six point five million in year-to-date concentrate sales, completion of four four thousand uh, meters infill drilling. Tell us about it. What's happening? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's really what's exciting about SilverX, right? Uh, there's a lot of silver explorers, not a lot of silver developers or producers. So all that the release said is like, look, since January 1st, we've sold $6.5 million. That's from pre-mine development, um, you know, at the Tangana mine, where we're currently in operations. We have a mine, again, in pre-development. We're drilling also 25,000 meters in, in our three main structures, one of which of Maria Luz is very silver-rich, you know, 10 ounces plus a silver and a 43 resource. So this company is really active, Matthew. I mean, again, production, development drilling, and the 4,000 meters of infill drilling was really focused on Tangana to optimize, you know, the, the mine, the full mine startup. Right. So, but the, the, the sales, I mean, did you make money on that? I mean, some months in a couple of the past few months uh, have been profitable. Again, this is mine development. So really we're preparing the mine. Most mines don't tend to be profitable during mine development. But even so, I mean, some of the past months, the mine has been operationally profitable, which is, which is great news. Once we drill into the proper Tangana structure, we're about 120 meters away now uh, in, in our main added from the proper Tangana structure. We expect the grades to be very interesting and, and definitely to be profitable. We're right. aiming to finish the year, the next 12 months in positive cash flow. Okay, interesting. So can, can you kind of break that down for me? Because again, when it, you know, I'm looking at this, you know, 45 million market cap, you've raised some money, 14 million, which is, which is great. So you've got some cash in the bank, but you've got to be quite canny. You've got to be quite shrewd about how you allocate that, that capital. One, because of the way you want to do it, and two, because of what the market 
wants to hear from you because it don't necessarily match sometimes. So how are you mapping out the next few months with the money that you've got to be able to kind of drive the share price back up to where, where it was when we spoke at the beginning of the year? Yeah, look, I mean, again, we have three focuses. One, we're, we're spending a bit of money increasing or finalizing the commercial startup of the mine, if you will. We expect this asset to be able to do 1.7 to 2.3 million ounces of silver uh, on a full year once we're fully executed our, our business plan. Number two, we're drilling 25,000 meters against uh, within all three main zones, you know, Tangana, Maria Luz, and Esperanza. If people looked at our last news release, I think they should really note the grades that we have at, a, at specifically at Maria Luz. You know, we have a small but very high-grade resource above 10 ounces. We'll be looking to develop that. We also announced that we're already doing bulk sampling in Maria Luz. So, you know, I think a 10-ounce silver mine is a very interesting asset in any scenario. Uh, and that's really it, you know, I mean, grow the grow production, grow resources. The majority of the money is being spent in the ground, either the drilling or the mine. And again, we expect to finish the next 12 months with a positive cash flow and not have any need to raise capital. So I think we're in a great scenario. It's a, it's a great scenario, but it's also kind of, it's small and it's slow growth. You, okay, you made it, be, you've done the, an acquisition here or merger here, um, which is a good start, but surely you're going to need to do a lot more of that. Wouldn't that be a quicker way to get scale where you can get noticed, where people do pay attention? Because producing a small amount of cash each year is, is, is fine, but it doesn't set the world alight, does it? Well, look, I mean, I think the first phase one for, for the Tangana or the Nueva Recuperada district is, you know, 1.7 to 2.3 million ounces. That's what the current plant capacity that we have of 700 or 600 tons per day going to 720. The next step is obviously to do an EIA to go to 2,000 tons per day. I think at that point, the district could easily produce, you know, 5 million ounces plus, And that's an asset that's interesting, I think, you know, globally, really, uh, especially in the silver market that we're in now. So we think we can grow the district organically, Matthew. We always have our eyes open for, you know, M&A acquisitions, M&A targets. That's sort of the MO of our team. We don't want to be halted again. Uh, so, you know, it's a fine balance of where we're, at, we're coming in at. Yeah it, yeah, it totally is a fine balance. And that, but that's the thing that intrigues me about how you guys think about this because, you know, organic is slow. It's, it's more profitable, but it takes time. And in a Correct. market which is anxious for silver stories and in a market we're seeing a lot of uh, new silver stories, whether you believe them or not is another matter. If, if they're distracting from you, it becomes your problem, right? So how, how do you kind of capture the imagination um, of retail investors and and others to say, look, you know, this is the right way to manage this. Slow and steady wins the race. Well, number one, I wouldn't say we've been slow and steady. I think since we took over the vehicle that's now Silver X, again, we've done three acquisitions, one one bigger than the next in 14 months. So we're definitely aggressive. Number two, we have an aggressive drill plan in the district where we're not just growing resources, but growing production. And number three, just look at our team, right? Our team has always shown that they grow by acquisition and that's what we're here for. Last point I would say is, look, we're in Peru. I'm in Lima right now. The entire team is in Peru. And Peru obviously has a discount right now due to the political situation. So I think being here on the ground really gives us a view into assets uh, that not a lot of people have. And definitely that's something we're working on too at the moment. Okay, so we, we've, got a, we've got a winner in the election, it appears, unless some challenge comes yes. through. Who knows? Um, should, how should people be looking at Peru? Because we were, t- we were talking uh, about Peru for the last couple, two, three uh, months and this is the normal state of affairs in South America. Elections come along, the West looks in and goes, it's a, it's a socialist government, we're all in trouble. But when the election's over, it usually returns back to normal. This has been a slightly you know, a protracted result, hasn't helped, but will it be business as usual yeah. when we get back? 
look here, I'll give you my crystal ball as a Peruvian and as a sort of political junkie. Uh, I think what's going to happen is these guys are going to call for a constituent assembly, you know, same as Chile. I think in Peru, unlike in Chile, there's going to be a lot of resistance to that, basically to change the constitution. So I think that's going to happen over the next, you know, it might happen as early as July 28th, but they'll announce it. It could be longer. But um, that's going to happen, I think, in Peru. Having said that, the mining industry in Peru will not change. Matthew, I mean, my crystal ball is the next five years, business as usual. They will try to renegotiate some of the larger tax stability contracts that some of the top three or four biggest mines in Peru have. But for people like us, people like the rest of the Canadian juniors, uh, business as usual. It's an important point you make. And I said one we made in about Chile going through the same thing. Obviously, they've got a constitutional change there, but um, and, you know, not, not so much here. But the, the, the potential conversations around tax are going to be on producers, right? Correct. You, you major know, producers, really. Major, I don't major think they're going to producers. touch the mid-scale ones. Right. Okay. So for, yeah. you, for you guys, you don't think that that's going to relate to you guys? You can't see that? No. No, I can't see that happening. Um, you know, Peru is a very thriving and powerful mining industry. I, again, they've been very clear about the new government, what their aims are. Their aims are really the, the top two or three mines in the country have what's called the tax stability treaty. They think that's unfair. That might be the case or not. Uh, they're going to try to renegotiate those tax treaties and I mean, that'll be the end of it. Okay. So as far as you're concerned, foreign investment into Peru will continue um, unabated. Right. Okay. 100%. 100%. I, th- I think it's important, the point that you raised, you raised that because it has, it has has this discount and I think people are just waiting for the, the elections to get out of the way. But obviously with Chile, the Chile conversations con- continuing that narrative, um, People are a little bit uncertain um, about that. Okay, um, right. So re- rest of this year, th- there's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts. A lot going on. You've got the money uh, t- to deliver that. What is the thing that you think is going to drive the share price back up? Because it's moving sideways in a difficult silver market with the Peruvian discount, etc. Well done. But at some point, you gotta you gotta start moving. So what are people looking to first? Yeah, I think over the next few quarters, people are going to see drill results from our, our, our silver zones. People are going to see, you know, pre-production numbers, which are going to be, I think, in my view, impressive. They're going to realize that SilverX is not really an explorer, but it's really a developer slash producer. I think that puts us in very rarefied air. I think, you know, a 1.7 to 2.3 million ounce producer really is something rare in the TSX V, at least. Um, so, you know, we're not aiming, we're not comparing ourselves to our junior peers who are explorers, we're aiming for, you know, the Fortunas of the world, the first Majestics. And, you know, we can catch up a bit to them. We'll be in a great place yeah. in terms of share price. Well, I mean, I mean, t- talking of the, the okay, the, you've got a lot, a lot of new people, um, you know, Jose Garcia, CEO. You're, what are you, chairman? Is that right? I'm the executive chairman, Executive yes. chairman. So, so how are the roles being divided up? Who's actually doing the work? Look, I mean, we have a core group of four guys, you know, Jose, Sebastian, myself, and obviously Paul Matisic, which the brand name behind the whole deal is. I mean, Paul, you know, gives us sort of guidance and, and leadership in terms of, you know, how to frame the story, what to do in a, in a macro sense. But he's also involved, you know, quite, you know, almost daily, I would say. Jose is our CEO. He runs a ship. He's currently at the mine. He spends most of his time in Huancavelica, which is in the center of Peru. I'm in Lima handling sort of the, you know, governmental affairs, IR, marketing, and Sebastian's our deal guru, um, you know, also based in Lima at the moment. So we have a Lima team. We have a very cohesive team. And, you know, we have, we're focused on growing the asset and growing the share price. 
Okay. Well, Luis, um, thanks for coming on the show. I wanted to see what was going on. Obviously, I'm glad the halt is off. You can actually get on with delivering the business plan we talked about last time. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on with with with, with that, especially around the drilling, because that could, that could be a real eye opener. I think. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.